What's up, Hawkeyes and Tallboys listeners? We're going to go ahead and cover the Iowa-Nebraska game, get into wrestling, and then talk about some basketball. Let's go, Hawks. Now here's the intro. This is Parker Hesse. This is Sam Branks. You have the pleasure of listening to Hawkeyes and Tallboys. Cheers, motherfuckers. Welcome to the Hawkeyes and Tallboys podcast. Featuring your host, Bo Freeborn. You know, guys, even though we get two conference losses, we're still going to end up 9-3. and three. We're going to win the West, for sure. Dylan Pond. Here's the thing, fellas. I'm going with it. 12 and fucking 0, baby. We're going to do it. Let's fucking go. Woo! And Rob Wall. I mean, that would be shocking. But we can do it. I mean, I think we can. So crack a tall boy. And go Hawks! All right, welcome into another episode of Hawkeyes and Tallboys. I'm Rob. I'm Dylan, and I'm Bo. <laughs> All right, so uh, we got a great episode here for you guys. Um, we're going to be talking about the most recent game this weekend against Nebraska in Camp uh, Randall no, Memorial Stadium. Memorial Stadium, Lincoln. <laughs> you're thinking, you're thinking Wisconsin. Red. I'm get, uh, You know what? It's weird. I always get those two mixed up, and I don't know why. Yeah, they're both red. Both, both red schools. Both red. You know, because I always think about Russell Wilson, and he's like from one, and I think he's always think he's from the other. Yeah, he's from Wisconsin. Or no, he, he's from Nebraska. No, he grad transferred into Wisconsin though. Correct. Oh, from so NC he's State. from both from NC State, right? Okay, well, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Okay. Well, anyways, uh, we are going to cover the game from last week. We want to talk about, um, you know, how obviously how close it was. Iowa got the win 27-24. to 24. We'll get into some good vibes, bad vibes from that game. And what does that mean for the Hawks moving forward, uh, looking at the bowl season? Uh, we'll also have a, a short mailbag because we want to get I'm going to pass it over to uh, Dylan, who will walk us through the Hawkeyes wrestling uh, and the way that they're starting their season, and we'll also toss it over to Bo and have us break down uh, the Hawkeye basketball team um, as well uh, with Fran McCaffrey. So we're excited to get to everything tonight. Um, We are at Union Station live. The Union Station Bar and Grill, located here on the southwest side of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, just off of 16th Avenue. Very close to my house, actually, guys. So They have, they have some really good beers and some really good food, so oh. if you guys are ever looking for a good quality bar here in Cedar Rapids, stop by Union Station. Absolutely. And We're enjoying ourselves. I was going to say, obviously, they have tall boys, because that's what we drink here on the show. That's right. Um, so we got a couple of uh, a tall light, uh, Miller Lights. With no GHT. Yeah, and Bo Bo hates the kids, so he's drinking Bush Light. You know so. what? I'm still for the kids. Carson King would still be okay with me drinking Bush Lattes. Uh, they do have a couple pool tails behind us, so if you hear a couple of eight balls cracking, uh, you know, don't worry, because we're just having a good time. Um, but we want to get into the game, guys. So let's go back to last Friday, Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving when Either you're out shopping or you're taking a look at the Hawkeyes. And let's go into that 27-24 thriller in Nebraska uh, that gave us our last win of the regular season. Um, Now, guys, just in general, the score was very deceiving. Um, If you watch the entire game, it was really a tale of two halves. Absolutely. And that's one thing I wanted to touch on, Rob, is... First and foremost, as much grief as we give the Nebraska program, you got to give them credit because Iowa pulled ahead in that first half, and it looked 
quick story. Memorial Stadium is one of those stadiums. That oh, you yeah, can, you were there. Yeah, that you can leave at halftime. So we, <laughs> we left and went back to our Nebraska buddies tailgate, and we're throwing down some beers and having a good time. And um, But anyways, long story short, wanted to give credit where credit was due to Scott Frost and that Nebraska team because, you know, it would have been really, really easy for them to turn it in and, you know, not come out and come out firing like they did and, you know, take advantage of some of our mistakes and whatnot and eventually ended up tying up the ball game and making it a game. You know what, to be honest, too, we were up 17-3 to and we were driving. And unfortunately for Nate Stanley when he threw that pick six, honestly, if we didn't throw that pick six, I don't think Nebraska would have ever came back from that. But we did return that kickoff. Uh, for a touchdown, like you said, Amir yep. Smith he called for it at the beginning of the year. Finally got <laughs> it last game of the season. Dude, I was telling the Nebraska fans that we were sitting around that too, and they're just like, are you shitting me? <laughs> like, like he gets it versus us last game of the year. Like, And, and they shut said shut up. the commentators said that that was, I think, two or three weeks in a row because uh, Wisconsin ran one back against Nebraska too earlier that season. Yep, too. Really? And that that is one of those notes too that I took away just from – and another quick note, Nebraska fans – just stereotypically, I would have thought they would have been kind of pricks my first time being in Lincoln. They were great. They were, you know, every, every, everywhere I looked, people were looking to give me beer. God, it was it was a great time. Probably helped we brought flasks into the stadium and we were sharing with our brethren. And But, yeah, no, I mean, you guys talked about the tale of two halves, though. I mean, the first half was dominated by Iowans. The third quarter was mostly dominated by Nebraska. Rob, what did you see about that second half? Yeah, so the second half um, – you know, Nebraska. Obviously, Scott Frost came into the the second half uh, out of the halftime and uh, must have really laid into his team and really uh, kind of motivated them because they seemed to have an, uh, a really good pace on offense um, and were able to score the ball against uh, one of and this is in in the regular season one of the best Iowa defenses statistically, mm-hmm. uh, and I would say in the last twenty years in, in program history. Probably one of the best defenses in the Big Ten this year too. Yeah, yep. and that's what. What's it, Diedrich Ward? Is that his last name? Diedrich Ward, yep. right? Okay, yep. I thought I was crazy for a second there. But, no, Diedrich Ward running the ball absolutely tore us up. I think, for the most part, we did an excellent job, you know, containing Adrian Martinez, which is one point of emphasis that I had last week. So, obviously, Kirk listens to the show, values my opinion. I appreciate that. Thanks, Kirk and Brian. Mm-hmm. Or, wait, that'd be Kirk and Phil, but regardless. So, that, that was one thing I noticed as well. But Diedrich Ward, hell of a player, going to be a thorn in our side for a minute. Yeah. And then talking about that final drive, you know, we had that catch that they ruled not a catch, which uh, we saw the replay on that. Can't believe they didn't call that. Yeah. Then they Hor- horrible. Hor- and this they, is in the fourth quarter. We're trying to come back. Yeah. Yep. And then we, they throw a flag on the targeting call, which was obviously. We were trying hit. to win, actually. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It was tied. a hit to the head or neck area, and then mm-hmm. they yeah. took the penalty back so, after reviewing it. So, and with, with that targeting, too, you know, national ref and expert I was gonna, over here. I was going to say, because right. listeners, Dylan is a, so, a referee. So, I know, and it's so, what's the word for it? Not confrontational, but it's like, it's such a judgment call. It is. It and is. Targeting, so it needs to be better defined first and foremost, because the way that that official came out and described it afterwards was completely wrong. That he said that he led with the shoulder, that doesn't matter. You if know, you it, lead if, with the header shoulder to the header neck area, that's a targeting every absolutely. single time. That's absolutely. what the rule yeah. states, correct? Uh, yep, that's the, what okay. the rule in the NCAA states. Absolutely. And it wasn't, it didn't need to be, because people get it confused, If I, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dill, but like, Especially in the NFL where they had that helmet-to-helmet rule. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pe- different. Yeah, people get that confused. It doesn't have to be the helmet. It can be your shoulder pad that hits them in the, hel- in right. the, in the head. It just has to be in the head, which is what I thought we had. 
Yep. So, a- absolutely, it was the wrong call. You know, one argument I could have seen, you know, from Nebraska's point of view, is that Amir Smith, you know, jumped up in the air and was coming down. But he, even then, you know, once you hit the ground in college, you're down. So there's no reason to come up and hit somebody. I don't think it's a dirty play by any means. So I'm, I'm not going to go and say that, you know, he deserves to be thrown in prison or anything like that. Because I, I don't think it was. I think that's a natural football play, and that's going to happen. Yep. But what the league the league and the NCAA is trying to do is eliminate concussions, and that's how you do it. So. For sure. For sure. And then from that play, obviously it set up a big – a big uh, first down. Mm-hmm. Then we go ahead and we throw that first down catch or th- first down ball to uh, freshman tight end Sam Laporta. Makes yep. a hell of a catch. Right? Yep. yep. Gets Great. us within field and, goal distance. And one, one big thing you did miss there, another officiating point that a lot of Nebraska fans were asking me about was that illegal blindside block. Yeah. That it, it seemed like everybody in that stadium was just livid about that call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that was the illegal blindside block? Yep, so that illegal blindside block. And literally, when you watch that replay, you know, you see, and I can't remember the Nebraska player's name off the top of my head, but he comes up, and, you know, the Hawkeye is looking the other way. No, like it or not, that is the definition of the rule. It's another thing, trying to eliminate concussions, you got to eliminate that play. I know it sucks to hear, but it's just the way it is. Yep. So. So that's what they've been trying to do that at the high school level for the past two years. New rule in the NCAA this year. So, you know, obviously ended up making a peel back kind of block. Yeah, exactly. Peel back kind of block. So, you know, I'm looking this way. You're coming this way. I have no idea you're coming. Bam. You know, I'm on the ground. Trying to take that completely out. Yeah, exactly. Now, to to the credit of Nebraska, obviously, they came out and scored two touchdowns off of a couple punts, and then we played basically back-and-forth field position football um, for most of the second half until the clock started winding down, and and we were really kind of – it was 24 all for forever, it seemed like. Um, And so as the clock kept winding down, I kept thinking, like, how many more possessions do we have at the end of this Mm -hmm. thing? Um, And the way the Iowa – Iowa offense has played the entire year. It almost seems like that's what they wanted to happen. You know, obviously fumbling it down, you know, what was that, at the 40, Nebraska yeah. 40 or whatever. Yeah, obviously was. that wasn't in the cards. Right. But I feel like that's what Iowa wants to do. They want to have the ball last. They want that opportunity to kick the field goal. Kirk Ferentz and Brian Ferentz, probably more so Kirk, but they don't give a shit about the spread. Right. They mm-hmm. don't care if they're covering. They just want to win the game. Well, that's another another point you bring up, too. You know, you see the you see Makai Sargent going into that big pile after ripping off a big 30-yard run, and then he goes into that pile where the ball ends up shooting out. Now, the pile is still moving, but you could have made a case for the, the play to be blown dead, no fumble. You know? I thought that was going to happen, too. I, th- I think that they made the right call, personally. No, another new rule. But... I, I don't know. Your thoughts. So the whole rule behind that is, you know, the linemen want to be able to come up and give them that extra push, which was happening because yep. Makai Sargent in that, you know, big yep. scrum, scrum, yeah. Yeah, scrum, whatever you want to call it, was they were advancing the ball. So you can't blow that play dead. So right. it was absolutely the right call. Yeah, I thought so too. Uh, you know, when us Iowa fans were sitting in the stands in Lincoln, we all thought that was going to be our demise. And, you know, we thought we were kind of hosed there. I really thought, guys, the way that this offense have play, has played uh, all season and all the games that we've seen together, and, and it's just like I thought that we were going to go to OT. And then if we Same. went to OT, I thought we were going to lose. Well, and you know what's funny is so I was totally thinking the same thing. So we ended up getting the ball back. Yep. Uh, 
50 which, seconds left, right? Yeah, 50, 50 seconds left. Not necessarily deep in our own end zone, but, you know, on our side of the field. And I think, you know, what I read an article from Mark Morehouse earlier this week from The Athletic who brought up, you know, Kirk Ferentz taking that knee back in 09, you know, playing Ohio State on the road uh, and opting to go into overtime, you know, with the brand-new quarterback in James Vandenberg. And it's kind of that Kirk 2.0, Kirk 3.0, whatever the hell you want to call it. But it's like, no, you know, let, let's do it. Let's win the game now. And that that was awesome for me to see because I was telling all those Nebraska fans around me, it's like, ah, don't worry. Three knees, we're done. So, obviously, that didn't happen. On that final drive, guys, um, it was actually 30. We got the ball back with 32 seconds. Oh, wow. um, yeah. So, even closer. But and still, no timeouts. Right. Uh, we were able to move the ball down to get in field position. Keith Duncan walks in. I mean, he's been the man all season. Freezed him twice. Yeah, I was just going to get it. So they called the timeout, froze him. He didn't kick. He just turned around, walked back a little bit, got set up. The second one, they did freeze him because they had two timeouts. So why not freeze him twice? Scott Frost out here, right? Mm-hmm. Am I right? Uh, I, <laughs> so see what, I see what you did there, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he actually kicks this one right down the middle line oh, drive kick. Beautiful kick. But timeout was called, so he's going to have to kick it again. And I was just thinking to myself, and this is the degenerate better in me, but, like, you get two chances to make, and wh- how far was it? A 48? 48. Yeah. Okay. 48-yard field Which goal. Which was close to his long. His career long. Yeah, career yeah. long was 49. Yeah. So, um, How many times in a row, under pressure like that, are you going to drill it twice in a row? Because yeah. I was thinking... The odds, I just was running through my head, was like statistically going down as he lined up for oh, it yeah. to try to do it twice in a row. Because if you can do it once under pressure, that's a hell of a kick. But like twice in a row? And Rob and I were watching from home. And Dill, I don't know, could you hear the Could you hear the whistles being blown? Because I didn't hear it until we on, saw the ref on the sideline. I saw the yeah. ref running in yeah. and yeah. doing that. I, well, that, that, that didn't. I, didn't, I thought it was good. A, I thought game over. Well, a, after the first one, I saw he had another one left, so I was watching – I was watching Scott, and yeah. I saw him call it and then, you know, went to watch the kick. You know, look, because we were at kind of a funky angle, so it was kind of hard to tell, but you hear like the, oh. Yeah. So it's like, okay, he clearly drilled that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and then after that it was like, yeah, they don't have one left, and then it was go time. The stadium was crazy loud. All, like, we had three Iowa fans around us that didn't want to piss anybody off, so we were all shaking hands when the Hawks did something good. Go. and. And that last one went up, and it was just a no-doubter. Like, you, like you, like as soon as it went up, there was, like, fans, like, getting up and getting out. Like, so. Oh. It was right through that, the uprights. Feeling. It looked like it was going to curve for a second, but it just hung true. Mm-hmm. And uh, it went right through the uprights. That's credit to Keith Duncan, who is, what's the name of that award? Uh, Luke Groza, or Lou Groza. Lou Groza. And just so you all know, you have about uh, four more hours here within the if if you guys Ooh, listen I haven't to this here, yeah. to vote, uh, he's currently nice. behind about a thousand votes, which I cannot believe to George's kicker right now. But he definitely deserves the uh, the Lou Groza Award for the best kicker in the nation after being named the Big Ten Kicker of the Year. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and it's just credit to him. I mean, to have. I mean, there's been a lot of great Iowa kickers. I would I would venture that uh, to say that he is probably one of the best uh, Iowa kickers. Well, think about this. Well, that's too. what I was wondering. Who was the last person to win that award? Was it Nate Kading? I had him in Kading. Yeah. 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 Well, and he set the record though for most field goals in the season in the Big Ten and in the nation. Right. Yeah. How, how do you not give it to a guy like that? Right. Yeah. 
It can't be one of those fan voted things. I think that's that's just one of those things where you got to look at the stats. Well, that's it. Is that a full blown fan voted? See, thing? I'm not sure because I know like the Maxwell, like they do the same thing. Like kind of get the fan vote and then the sports writers vote yeah. from there. So I'm not sure how that works I either. Wonder. But we'll have to look into that. For his sake, I hope that they leave it up to the sports writers, the people who actually deal with the stats and talk about the. Um, the w- the stories and everything like that. Well, if you let ESPN the do it, they're gonna slob all over the SEC knob and <laughs> give it to Georgia. So. Well, and then who did Georgia lose to this year? Miss was it Ole Miss or was it uh, no oh, somebody Auburn? Um, did they lose to Auburn? No, 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 no. It no. was uh, who does Iowa? Who did Iowa used to play? Uh, I'll find Steve. out. Oh, Spurrier, South Spurrier. Carolina, South Carolina. That's who they lost to. South oh. Carolina and in Blankenship. The Georgia kicker was the one that missed the kick in overtime to tie the game. Oh, so and he doesn't have as many field goals as as Keith Duncan does. So yeah. definitely not as deserving. I don't think. I well, think so. me being an Iowa fan. This is the best part about the kick, guys. Obviously, it went through. We win the game. Or we think we got one second left. Yeah. Um, so we left one on the board. But Keith Duncan immediately after he made it. Looks at the uh, the Nebraska sideline. Is he's celebrating and one and and running and jumping because obviously he thought everyone's going to mob him because he thought it was the end of the game. He didn't know that there was one second left. He points at Scott Frost blows and then him a kiss and blows him a kiss and like you know what I mean, just kind of like a you know f you to Scott yeah. Frost. And, and I oh I loved it. And they called a unsportsmanlike conduct on him, mm-hmm. which after didn't Scott Frost bitched about it. Scott Frost wanted that call. But you know what? How many times, and I don't know if they have a, well, an ample opportunity and, and that's to win the that thing. game. Oh, that's, absolutely. That, but That's a dead ball foul because that was another thing I heard Nebraska fans bitching about. It's like, oh, oh yeah, they're, they're, they're going to get knock. taken back 15 no. yards. No, that's not how Plus, life works. Rob and I were able to see this from TV. How many times did we see a Nebraska player jawing off after Iowa made a good play? Yeah. That number 19 dismuke was yeah. awful. I think he only had one tackle all day, but all he did was just sit there and jaw. I mean, you look, could see his helmet bobbing when he was like, kind of, like, you know, bro, you were well, and then they they pegged Amir Smith Marset again, probably deservingly so. Push him in the but foot, yeah. yeah, I mean, it should have been, you know, every which way that should have been getting called. However, somebody brought this up to me last week, and I don't know if I mentioned it on the show or not, and it's such a good point to, to note. So with Nebraska's fan base. They're known for their traveling, especially to bowl games, you know, and that sort of thing. Okay. And so with Nebraska being, you know, five and six coming into that game, like let's think about this. So they're going for bowl eligibility. Okay. You know, I'm not saying – I'm not being they a need conspiracy to have theorist here and saying a fix was in, but it sure seemed odd there, especially at the end. And then even after Keith Duncan made that field goal, you saw the refs huddle up and it's like – you know what? It's like I how got, how is this going to go south? I got game? that feeling. I'm not going to lie to you. Mm-hmm. When we didn't get that catch, uh, that they called that not a catch at mm-hmm. the you know when we we're trying to move the ball, like we that would have put us well, well right. within field goal range, well, Keith that, Duncan range. And you look at the Big Ten point of view, where it's like okay, so even if Iowa wins, loses this game, they're still going to a bowl. But if Nebraska wins, they get to go to a bowl. Hence, more money for us. Bada bing, bada boom. You know what I'm saying? So again, I'm not insinuating there was a fix in, but just but a, lo- it's a, lo- a lot of I yeah, guarantee listeners lo- are going to Oh, and a lot of these close calls that we were talking about, you know, they went down they went into the re- replay booth. And that, you know, goes up to those guys up there and you know they're on the phone with the Big 10 conference and everybody else and it's just so interesting cuz especially that catch, you look at the definition of a catch in college football. That was a catch. Now, yeah. now shame on, you know, Regani for 
you know, making it close in the first place yeah. and letting go of the ball after he rolled. You know, that's you can't do that, obviously. You're a Big Ten wide receiver. I feel like it's pretty tough, though. If you look at the replay, and I'm just calling that as mm-hmm. out, I mean, that was pretty tough to keep that ball in. Uh, sure. To be honest. But, I mean, it was you, a tough you, catch. You still got to do it. Yeah. Like, you're right. No, you're right. Day, 100% right. Because um, it's like, you know, what I kept telling people around me, this is not the NFL. That's a catch. They're like, yeah. no, no, no. He, he lost it. He, he didn't control it through the catch. No, this isn't Des Bryant and the Cowboys in the playoffs three years ago. Well, what four I years saw. Ago, whatever the hell that yeah. was. Yeah. What I saw, too, is he had two feet down, elbow down, hand down, and then rolled through. Had had remained. Yeah. Know, the ball was in his arm. And yeah. then it popped out after he rolled over. And after you college was football, of, that is a catch. Yeah, Go ahead, and Robert. then he, if if it was a fumble, then he fumbled it out of bounds. That's what well, I was well, thinking well, too. Even then, in college football, once you hit the ground, you're down. Down because yes. you can't advance the ball. Correct. So for yeah. you to call had, that a fumble, you had three to four points down. That's that should be down ball right, right there, first down aisle. You know, and but, if you had Nico Regani on your fantasy squad and he doesn't get that catch, you're pissed off. <laughs> Just forty more yards, right? Right. No yeah. shit. But nonetheless, it ended up not mattering. So, so obviously, guys, we went through a win. Okay, we won twenty-seven, twenty-four. Rob, I'll start with you. Sure. Hit me up with some good vibes, bad vibes. A, a segment we really like to call for the game that we like to cover f- that we just played. So, hit me up. Yes. Good vibes, bad vibes. You start us off, bud. Okay, good vibes, guys. Um, good vibes all around is, is typically uh, uh, something that I like to uh, say, and then I would say that this game. Although the, we let them back into the game, we did what we needed to do when it came down to it, and that's something that I didn't think that when we were, we've been in a lot of close games, but most of the close games that we've won besides this one have been against like Purdue, or they came back at the end type thing, or like we already had the game won. Um, all the games that we've lost, we've had a chance to either score a tie at the end of the game, and we it just went the other way. Right. And this is one where I felt like after going through all those trials and tribulations and games that we thought we would have won and lost that we just pulled this one through and nobody more fitting to do it than Keith Duncan. So I like the way that we battle back from adversity. So that's a good vibe. I think that's something that you can put, you know, as a notch in the belt heading into the bowl, whatever we get, and we'll get into the bowl, uh, what bowl we're going to get to in a second. Bad vibes, guys. Um, I would say the bad vibes, uh, it's just the way that we came into the second half. Um, why couldn't we put the game away? Right. You know what I mean? Step uh, on the throat. Exactly. I don't. It's hard to think that this team, when they're not playing somebody from a Power Five conference, um, has because uh, they everybody that we've ha- have we played that wasn't in a Power Five conference, we've been able to just step on the throat and like you know besides Maryland mm-hmm. or Rutgers. I'm sorry, uh, but you know what I mean. If it's a decent team from a Power 5 conference, which we're going to play, we're going to play somebody from the Pac-12 most likely, uh, which we'll get to that in a second. Like I said, we got to be able to close it out. we got to have that killer mentality, and I didn't really think that we displayed that Saturday or Friday. No, I totally agree there, Rob, because, you know, what I think is how much of that comes from, you know, the head of the household, the king of the castle. Yep. You know, that's what – because it seems like we see this year after year where it's – I don't. I don't want to say they stop playing hard because that's not the case at all. But it definitely put it in cruise control. Yeah, if you will. it's like, hey, you know, we're doing good. Let's just, you know, let's just keep rolling. You know, waste out the clock and you know, let's get out of here with a win. Well, okay, you know, so you run the ball two times and then Nate Sandley throws pick six and it's like, oh shit, they're within a touchdown. Okay, well, same thing goes. We're up. Here we go. Let's run the ball. Let's get first downs. Waste time off the clock. Field position battle. 
Okay. Punt the ball. You know, they end up scoring, obviously. It was a few punts mm-hmm. back and forth. But right. So that's what, you know, where do we lack that killer mentality? And that, and that I just think it comes from the king of the castle, Kirk himself, which right or wrong, that's just the way he is, and he ain't going to change. Which sucks. I'll, I'll, I'll give another. I'm going to piggyback on that thought here. But I'll tell you what, guys. Um, I mean, how are we? I think that this offense has been so, for stagnant. lack of a better, like stagnant, lackluster. Inconsistent would be my word. Yep. Yeah, I would say that that's a good way to describe them. But they've always leaned on the defense. Oh, without a doubt. And I think that they came out and scored and were like, I felt like maybe they were really confident in the first half. Second half, they decided we're just going to ride this out, lean on the defense, and all of a sudden now they're in a battle that they didn't think that they'd be in. But anyway, that's, that's where, where we like to be, baby. The Iowa Hawkeyes, we we like take it down to the guessing. wire. Love you know, if my fans' heart ain't beating, then what are we going to do? All right, Dill, <laughs> hit me up with some good vibe, bad vibe. What do you got? All right, so that was your bad vibe. Oh no, I was just agreeing with oh. you. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Good vibe. Started off on a nice positive note, not something I usually do. Uh, good vibe. For the 15th time in Iowa Hawkeye football history, the team has finished with nine wins, and that's not including our bowl game. Now, obviously, Iowa Hawkeye football has been around a long time, so that doesn't always happen. So, you know, as much grief as we give Kirk and the staff and everyone, you know, I do think we need to take a step back and really appreciate what we have because looking at – you know, we are one of the most consistent programs in the nation. You know, we've talked about it before where I've seen a stat where in the past, you know, three, four seasons, you get eight-plus wins. There's only four or five other teams yeah. that have done Since that. Since 2015, there's only yep. six teams, and they're all big-name teams that you think that yep. have more wins than Iowa. Yep, it's like Ohio State, Alabama, yep. LSU, Georgia, Appalachian LSU. State yep. was one of them. So, oh, what were you going to say, Rob? Uh, just a funny fact um, about Nebraska. And I wish Blaine was here so I could tell it to his face. But how many of you thought when Scott Frost took the job at Nebraska that he would start out after two seasons, nine and thirteen? Yeah. Is it nine and thirteen? I think that's right. Is it nine and thirteen? Nine oh, or sixteen? Nine yeah, nine and thirteen. Twenty-two games. Eight plus seven. 15. Yeah, fifteen. Oh, speaking of, here he comes. There Blaine, he were your ears burning? Blaine. Blaine. I need to. I need to talk to you, buddy. Come here. If I would have told you at the time that Scott Frost took over as head coach in Nebraska um, that he was going to be 9-15 and 15 after two seasons, what are, what are your thoughts, sir? Well, I, disappointment, obviously. So is, uh, the, the best thing that Nebraska fans do is like, they overhype, completely overhype everything because they think, they think it's an immediate turnover and they think everything's going to happen right away. Um, like Scott Frost, like, yeah, he's had a lot of success as an offensive coordinator at Oregon. Like he was head coach for two, for two years, head coach, mm-hmm. and technically up till now, head coach four years. And he's had what, one good year, like at Western Michigan at Central Florida. So you're thinking of PJ Fleck. You're thinking of PJ. Oh, yeah. sorry. You're good. Sorry, guys. You're good. Sorry, sorry. No, but like we need to we need to calm down, pump the brakes a little bit. Okay. I I mean I, I disagree. Still, Fire everyone. I I still have faith in Scott Frost, so. I just we just need to no and as well you should I mean clearly clearly he's got the positional players in there to make an impact here in the Big Ten now and I know we had discussed this plenty before the season where you know I think Nebraska needs to improve is I I don't even necessarily think in the trenches but more so just on that offensive line 
Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I mean, if you looked at his first two recruiting classes at Nebraska, just loaded with position players. Like, really good ones, too. Which, in at Central Florida, he could get away Western with Michigan. That. Sorry. Central Florida, he could get away with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah he could get away with very average linemen. You can't do that, Big Ten. And you, no. you've seen it for two years now. So, like, and you can see his recruiting class that he's putting together right now is loaded with linemen. Mm-hmm. Completely but, loaded with linemen. But now, what we need to worry about, too, is, you no, know, not necessarily, and I'm getting in my inner Nebraska fan, but <laughs> getting nice into that, <laughs> which we don't want to make the. We, you guys, don't want to make the mistake like PJ Fleck is making, where okay, yeah, you get a four hundred pound toad on the offensive line, it's a fatty. And, <laughs> oh god, and no, he does do some damage. No, no, yeah, that, I that, think that's next, not how life works. I, do, I will say that I do think next year is going to be uh, a pretty big year for the Scott Frost era. Um, you six know and I mean? six. I do think that six they took six. a step back this year. I was going to say defensively they took a giant step forward. Offense took a step backwards. So I mean. You could somewhat look at certain improvements and try to find some bright spots, but I mean, four and eight to five and seven is not what the improvement. But it's improvement. It, it, I mean, yeah. it is, but Adrian at the same will have time, that kid, and he'll he'll knock oh out that. Oh God, Adrian in the volleyball player. Scott Frost is out there, and his team just like, hey guys, I know it doesn't feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you, guys, you guys already crack, oh, You guys already crack your beers. Oh, I yeah, I did. I got. I got. Okay. Uh, anxious, okay. Here we go. So. Real quick, bad, good vibe, bad vibe for me real quick. Sorry. Oh, I, I did forget my bad vibe yeah, go, if yeah, you wanted go to go yeah, ahead. Out, right. So my bad vibe is we kind of touched on it. Yeah. But it's that lack of a killer instinct that we have lacked for for as long as I've been an Iowa fan. You know, pretty much since Kirk took over is when I can start, like, remembering things. I know I went to a few Hayden games back in the heyday, but that was probably just giving my dad shit, making him change my diaper. So, nothing fun. But that lack, you know, and I, I think, I really do think Brian Ferentz has it because you've seen it in certain games where I feel like he gets the helm. You know, you look at the beginning of that Minnesota game where, you know, we're underdogs. Or I guess we were technically favored or it was a toss-up. But, you know, underdogs in the sense of the Big Ten Conference. And then, you know, we come out there fucking guns blazing, and it was awesome. But then again, we get up, coast. And so you saw that again. And it's so frustrating because people think that the Iowa offense is stagnant. I don't know that I agree with that. I think when that Iowa offense is rolling, it can be up there with, you know, some of the best offenses in the country. You know, I think our big problem is that we, you know, fall back into that old routine of, all right, we got the lead, zone left, zone right. Here we go. Let's see what happens. Let's see what Tyler Goodson can do. Oh, his ankle got tweaked up. Okay, he's our future. Sit him on the bench. You know, Torn, get in there. Ivory, get in there. You know, Makai, get in there. And, you know, you run the ball two plays and then look at Nate Stanley to make a play. Well, then Nebraska knows what coming, what's coming. You're going into your old-fashioned, predictable offense that has plagued the Kirk Ferentz era. Now, again, I'm not saying that's always necessarily a bad thing because that's how they are. They're, you know... Line up. You may know what we're going to do, but you still have to stop it. Good luck. And that's how they've been. But you see, like, and you saw Nebraska's defense do it in the second half here last week where they stepped up. It's like, all right, they got the lead. We know we know what they're going to do. And they did. They stopped it. And then, like you said, it turned into a field position battle. You know what? And I'm going to agree with you. That's going to be my bad vibe, too. And it's one of those things that, kind of like you said, I, I think we are, when our offense gets going, you might as well just keep rolling it. And we're going to be as good as – you know, some of the best teams in the nation. Right. And by that, too, 
kind of like you said, the predictability, right? Like Nebraska is going to get some sort of confidence on stopping Iowa. Like, hey, you know, they came out and they scored 24 points on his first half. Right. They're going to get a couple stops. Okay, hey, we're going to stop the ball. Then you're going to force on your defense, which I I completely am okay with. But at the same time, Iowa's defense was on the on the field way too long there in the second. I half. think so too. Yeah. yeah. So, and and that's another. With good teams in the Kirk Ferentz era, that's been a common theme. You know, we look at 09 that year, you know, we beat Georgia Tech in the Orange Bowl. Possibly could have gone undefeated if Nate, or not Nate Stanley, if Ricky Stanzi didn't, didn't go down. Yeah. You know, that was a big thing. They hurt a lot, you know, at the end of the season where, you know, how, how the hell do you guys expect us to do anything when we're on the field when we're on the field 90 plays a game? Yeah. Like, we're dead. I think Adrian Claiborne was the one that said that. Yeah. And then you look at 2015, it was the same way, too. You look at all those close games they ended up winning. Defense was on the field way too much. So I think that's a big part of the way just that the Hawkeyes are. But that's one of those things when Kirk and the staff goes to evaluate the season. You know, I, I really think there needs to be a tweak there. Because, you know, football today, you know, because of the Tom Brady's and the Eli Man Eli Manning. Wow, a lot of people are going to be pissed I threw that name in there, but he's got two rings, so whatever. But with that, all those great quarterbacks that we have in the NFL, you know, it's turning into an offensive league. You know, and at some point, you got to kind of get with the times there and start racking up the points. Like, you know, we saw it a couple years against Ohio State. Well, why did they do that? Because Ohio State can score 21 points in three minutes. Like, like that's not unreasonable for them whatsoever that's a great segue into my next question here which can kind of start our mailbag segment here but okay let's get into the mailbag yeah kind of looking at it here um rob i'll start with you sure you were you were one of one of three of us uh, one of two of us who guessed that i would be nine and three and yes don't don't hit the hammer on the nail it really defined our season we nine and three tell me what your thought was on this season you predicted nine and three. You saw what I, I don't think that we either you or me predicted who the correct losses, but right. Want to know your thoughts on this season? What What are your overall thoughts? So um, I think that as much as I've dogged the offense of Iowa this year, as much as I've had like I feel like I always as even as a fan, I have negative views of the teams that I choose that I cheer for. I always am the most critical. But as soon as someone else tries to talk, you know, shit about them, then I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa! Only I can talk shit about them. You know what I mean? So right. So it's like that ex girlfriend that you still you know want to hang out with on the weekend nights. Like, right. and, and your bros are like, bro, no, and you're like, hey, no, you can't call her a slut. <laughs> Only I can call her a slut. Exactly. Right. Iowa, you're you're my slut, okay? <laughs> Nobody else's. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but what I'm saying is like I <laughs> Iowa like the way that they uh, the, the the ones that they won, I didn't think they would uh, you know, the ones that they lost, you know, I thought they'd win. So, um, I always I, I think I had them losing to Wisconsin um, who else? I had them losing to Michigan. Okay. Penn and State I, or Iowa State or Minnesota. I had them beating had a Iowa one, State. I think, didn't you? I think I had them losing to um, Nebraska. Okay. At the Which end. Which is still good. Two of three. Yeah. For you. So, um, but obviously, I, I, I mean, watching the way the, the season played out for all the teams in the Big Ten, I, I would, you know, prior to the game last Saturday, I wouldn't have picked mm-hmm. that Nebraska to one. And I'm surprised it was close. But, um, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm happy about what the way the season went. Uh, I'm pleasantly surprised. And, guys, we got to remember, like, this is a team that the, the guys on the coaching staff, they handpicked. 
They recruited this team. So the problems that they're experiencing are their own problems. They created them. So um, I think that we maybe got a little ahead of ourselves thinking back to when we were recording at my, in my kitchen for the beginning of the 12 season. 12-0 and o Nation. I stand by it. When hashtag 12 and 0 nation was flowing through our veins, you know what I mean? I think we got a little over and uh, ahead of ourselves as far as how good our offense was going to be. Because we saw, I, I, I think I remember saying, like, I wasn't sure how good our defense was going to be. I thought that we were going to be as good as we were last year. Hard-pressed to say that we were going to be light years better than we were, and we were. And then I thought that our offense, I thought this was going to be a different-looking Iowa team. With all the playmakers that we had, we didn't really see that much. I thought that Nate Stanley prior to the season was going to take a big step forward in the senior year, um, you know, with the record and everything that was in his grasp and all that, um, which he, he didn't seem to do. So, I mean, so my overall thoughts, I'd say, Despite that, we went nine and three. We're in, in every game. We could have won. We could literally could have been hashtag twelve and O nation. We could have. Oh, yeah. And a um, lot of a lot of the speculators yeah. and a lot of ESPN and big time football boards. Yeah, they, that tweet. Yeah, they they quoted Iowa at the beginning of the season to be eight and four. So for Iowa to be nine and three, I think that's a big accomplishment. Dylan, you were the on the twelve and O nation. Tell us what your thoughts are. Even though we didn't go twelve and O at nine and three, what are your thoughts on? Not going 12 and 0 on the season. You know, I I think we all can be honest here. When I when I said that 12 and 0, you know, I I thought 9 and 3 is probably a little bit more realistic. You know, however, you know, I, I saw something special in this team. So, and I, I don't take that back. I still think this team has a lot of positive qualities. You know, this team, right or wrong, is going to be known for the what could have been's. And I, that, that sucks to hear because it, I'm, and I'm not taking anything away from the guys whatsoever because, you know, obviously we all know, like, as much as we care about the Hawks, you know, they care 400 billion times more because they're the ones in and out there grinding all year round where, you know, we get to take a break and drink beers right as soon as the game's done. So, you know, so I get that, but, and, you know, this, this team, you know, I don't know if you want to call it that killer instinct think of guys like C.J. Beathard. You know, C.J. Beathard found a way to win those three games that we lost, essentially. You know, and you can't necessarily put that all on Nate Stanley because he did everything that was asked of him. You know, and Kirk and Brian talked about that all the time where he does everything. He spends, you know, 25 hours a week in the film room. You know, he's pretty similar, in my opinion, to like a Jake Rudock, but a lot more talented. You know, in that sense where he never did anything wrong. But does he have that ability to take us to the next level? No. You know, and you look at special Iowa teams from the previous years, you know, I think 2002, 2009, 2015, you know, are the ones that jump out to me. You know, 2004, you can throw in there as well. Well, 2002, you had a guy leading the helm in Brad Banks. 2004, you had Drew Tate. 2009, you had Ricky Stanzi. In 2015, you had C.J. Beathard. So those are the guys you think of when you think of Iowa Hawkeye quarterbacks. Now, statistically, Nate Stanley is going to go down as one of the best quarterbacks in Iowa Hawkeye history, and deservedly so. You know, he did a hell of a job his three years starting. But, again, you know, and I'm not trying to bring the vibe down, but it's going to be known as that what could have been. Now, don't get me wrong. Like I pointed out at the beginning of the episode in our Good Vibes, Bad Vibes segment, you know, I was only won nine games in an entire season 15 times in existence. 
and then I forget what the stat is for 10 wins in a season. So they have the potential, you know, to be up there in the top 15 here after our bowl game. And that, I, I and still here we think are that, talking de- yeah. like we're depressed. Right. No, I still think that would be a hell of a season. Like, you look at that five years from now, and you're going to be like, yeah, that was a 10-win Iowa team. You know, what I want to be able to say three years down the lane was, yeah, that team, that was the turning stone. That was the turning stone where, hey, they lost some of those close games, but that next couple of years they figured out how to win, win those close games. You know, beat the Penn States, beat the Michigans, beat those teams of the world, which I was had a lot of success with Michigan in the past year. And we're going to learn a lot about this team next year as well. I think when so you look too. at some of these early NFL departures, potentially looking at the A.J. Epinesas, Tristan Wirfs, you know, possibly Alaric Jackson, et cetera, et cetera. So going to learn a lot about this team and – in back-to-back weeks next week, they have to go to Penn State and to Ohio State. Yep. Yep. So an absolute brutal onslaught as far as the Big Ten East goes. So, and then the other crossover game being Michigan State at home, which yep. I think will be okay there. But that actually, I think, be a fun one to attend. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it'll be for a sure. Good one. Yeah. And and on you on that fun fact for you guys, I don't know if you knew this. The Twitter did a five-year phase here. Nate Stanley graduated high school six four one ninety three. Graduating college, 6'4", 245. Big pizza 50 guy. pounds. Big pizza guy. <laughs> thanks to uh, thanks to our strength conditioning coach. So and protein. Protein and pizza. What <laughs> else Shout out need? Coach Doyle. Shout out Coach Doyle. Best in the biz. I really like what you said there. What are we going to have next year? When you really think about it, we're going to lose Nate Stanley. We're going to lose Michael Ojemudia. Yep. But we, we're going to have quite a few back. And, and another mailbag segment question. Bless you. Comes from comes from our guy Mitch out in Chicago. He says, uh, really, some of the big names: Wirfs, Jackson, AJ Epineza. Are they going to be NFL bound? Or are they going to come back? I guess Rob, we'll start with you. What do you think? Sure. Uh, tell you what, you, uh, you want to look at these individual players uh, and talk to them. Uh, I think it'd be in their best interest to move on financially uh, to join the NFL. Um, I mean. I know a lot of them said, I think around senior day, how they'd like to run out on senior day and with their parents and on Kinnick's uh, stadium and, and, you know, all that. And that's great and fine. But, like, how – let's put that on one end of the scale and then how much money would it take for you to say no? Right. Because I guarantee when they get signed – because, you know, you look at these guys. Like, they're not practice squad guys. They're not fighting for a spot on a team. Like, they're going to be the they're team. For, Especially those two, they are first rounders. Alaric Jackson and Tristan Wirfs. Oh no, no, no! Uh, Tristan Wirfs and AJ Epinesa. Yeah. Okay. 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 Because I always pair Tris, uh, Tristan Wirfs and Alaric Jackson together because they're on opposite sides of the line. Right. But, but I'll tell you, I mean, those guys are big enough. They're NFL built. You know what I mean? Which is props to Coach Doyle, best in the biz. Um, but I'll tell you, you want to say hi to the listeners, Miss? Got a waitress here. We're, we're Dylan, Rob, and Bo. By the way, what's your name? Tegan. Tegan. So we have Tegan here at the Union Station over on. Is this technically 16th Avenue? Yeah, for sure. 16th yep. Avenue yep. is your address. So great time. Come out and see us. See Hawkeyes and Tallboys here. Tegan and the rest of the group. We got some Thursday night football going on, and we're having some beers and anything else you want to say to the listeners, Tegan. Have a good night. <laughs> and if have you couldn't hear, she says, "Have a good night." So, uh, anyways, fellas, we can get back to it. So, uh, yeah, so obviously, uh, AJ Epinesa is going to be the most highly Sorry, I think I'm dealing with some mic issues, so bear with me. Okay, cool. Uh, but, like, AJ Epinesa is going to be the most highly touted um, 
prospect from this from these guys that um, we're looking at in these in this grouping. And I think that honestly, like if he wanted to go pro, probably be in the top because you got to look at there. Um, teams that are doing real bad. So Miami, Cincinnati in the NFL, they're going to be up there draft and quarterback so that's going to be your um lsu quarterback what's his name joe burrow, joe burrow. that is he's going to be in there justin Her- herbert's herbert. another Thank one you, Blaine. um chase young is going to be in there from yeah. uh, ohio state he's just a talent been, that but here's what you know interestingly what it comes down to here's what it comes down to guys interestingly enough more weight is placed on the combine than I think we need to consider. So, so guys that have a hell of a season, AJ Epinesa, who I didn't think was going to meet his sack total of last year, was just ten and a half, and he almost did. He had nine and fourteen tackles in this mm-hmm. last game against Nebraska, uh, which is a heck of a showing for him, especially in one game. Well, it sadly as enough as it is, like he's going to have to prove it in the combine. So he's really going to have to. Um, sp- focus on training for speed Absolutely. as a rush end in the NFL but I think that he can do it and I think that if he was if it was me I would heavily consider um, and it all depends on what the draft stock looks like so I don't want to talk forever about it but I'll pass it off to Dylan no 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 you brought up a lot of good points there Robin you know one one thing we wanted to know too is when that draft combine does happen it's one of those things where you have to be declared before the combine it's not like the nba where you can go into the combine and then be like oh yep my numbers don't work okay kind of like joe Wieskamp did yeah. last joe, year okay yeah yeah. Test the yeah. Waters. yeah let's let's go back to college no that's not a thing in the nfl so, i did not know that so, and that's so, a really good so point. once you declare you're gone but and so what a lot of these kids will do is they go out and seek feedback from these nfl teams just based off of you know workouts you know, they'll go work out for wh- whoever and then, you know, looking at tape. And these NFL guys are typically pretty honest. And obviously, Kirk, with his background in the NFL, can give a lot of feedback there, too. I feel like but, they – But they'll tell you. Respect. Yeah, they'll give you that grade where, hey, you know, you're a first-round grade, you're a second-round grade, and so on and so on. So I think the two guys you're going to see from Iowa that are the two underclassmen that have the first-round grades are going to be Tristan Wirfs and A.J. Epinesa. And Hawks, Hawk fans, I hate to say it, but they're both gone. They are. I, I think it's the right thing to do. And and anybody that wants to sit there and balk at me and say, no, they need to f- complete their college education, look at James Daniels. His rookie season, as soon as it was complete with the Chicago Bears, Came he did, w- did winter classes and completed his degree. You know, because... Easy peasy. Exactly. So, so yeah, that that's not an excuse. If an education is important to you, they'll come back. You know, and, it, and, it's, and, it's, well, and it's not that difficult. Yeah, Richard Sherman, another one. So... I, I think you need to do what's in your best interest and go to the NFL, them too. Now, you brought up Alaric Jackson, another one. With him missing half this season, I think not half, quite half the season, but four or five four games. games. But he was, was injured, yeah. Yeah. Significantly. Yeah, that, that that's going to hurt your draft stock. So he's going to be one that would benefit from coming back, I think. Now, you look at a lot of those tweener guys that we didn't think about like last year because, you know, you had guys like not Matt, Anthony Nelson declare – you know as when he junior. when he was as a junior, one that no one no one ever even thought about. You know, is making a little bit of an impact down in Tampa Bay right now. So you have all these other guys that you don't necessarily think about. And one name I'm going to throw out there that I hate, but I know he's thinking about is Geno Stone. 
Geno Stone's yeah. another one. He he's probably got the itch. You look at guys like Chauncey Golston on that defense, another underclassman, but could potentially make that leap as well. So, I mean, it, these are guys that like I'm anxious to get back on the squad. Absolutely, year. same, same, and that's that's my thing. So, you know, with a developmental program like Iowa's, you know, all these early enrollees to the draft, I think that hurts programs like ours. So you figure all these guys, you know, make, in my mind, the wrong decision and come back and stay. You know, I think Iowa's one of the favorites to compete for a Big Ten title. Now I'm not saying they're going to beat Ohio State necessarily, but one of the favorites to compete. Now if you say, you know, like look at last year. I think last year was one of those worst-case scenarios where pretty much everybody left. So you say, you know, Geno leaves, Cedric Lattimore graduates, you got Chauncey Golston. A.J. Epinesa, that's your entire D-line for the most part pretty much gone, and that's not even including Brady Reef, who would also be gone due to graduation. So it, it, it's just tough to think about it like that where, you know, we don't want to necessarily say we need these guys back, and we know because we talked about it earlier as well. Kirk Ferentz, you would think most coaches in college football are, like, trying to convince their kids to come back. He does the opposite. So we've heard firsthand, not firsthand, but secondhand, like through the media, that guys like Brian Balaga in the past, you know, all these offensive linemen that have come through the University of Iowa. Brian Balaga wanted to come back for his senior year. Kirk said, no, you got to go. Yeah. You got to go. I feel like that plays into the recruiting success that we have. Absolutely. Because it's like you talk to somebody who's fresh out. You talk to a senior in high school who's just finished a pretty good career in high school. You know, feels pretty good about himself. You know, from the football perspective, looking to play at the next level. And you start talking to him in his living room with his parents and saying, "Like, hey, you know what? This guy, this guy, this guy, looked just like you, and now he's starting in the NFL for the Green Bay Packers." Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, how are you going to say no to that? Right. Yeah, it's a good point. And I really like, Dill. I really like what you said about worse and AJ Epinesa going. And I really like that uh, you think that Alaric Jackson is going to come back because I feel like he has something to prove. One thing I really want to bring up, too, with Geno Stone, he got second-team All-Big Ten this year, which I feel like with that, he's going to motivate him, right? Like He's going to say, hey, man, like I'm the best safety in the league. I deserve to be first-team. I want to come back, and I want to prove to people that you know I, I can be first-team. One thing, too, I want to bring up, too, is that Desmond King came back for his senior year, right, which I – Camp coming off a season like that, especially winning the the award for the best cornerback in the league, Jim Thorpe. Yeah, that's pretty tough. One thing I will say about that, maybe as far as draft goes, draft him a better team. I know the Chargers are a pretty decent team, you know, middle of the pack, higher of the pack type team. But drafted him to a better team, like what what does that mean for these kids though? Right. What that means that killed his draft stuff. Right. For sure. It absolutely sure. What killed it. I mean, it, 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 ended up, him, right? it, en- it ended up working year. out. Right, exactly. It ended up working out, yeah. no doubt. Yeah. But the fact that, you know, like you're talking about a difference between a first and second rounder between, yeah. you know, three dollars $400,000 a year. I mean, that, that that's significant. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's quadruple, quadruple my income. But well, I, I well, think I'll tell it you depends what. on the p- position, too. Go I ahead. think one thing that would – be beneficial by staying an extra year besides missing out on in an, a year of a crazy salary is just like you do gain a year of maturity you do get a little bit of humility by knowing that you're you're good but sticking it out for the the betterment of the team and you know to be a more rounded player 
because um, how many times do you see players, and I'll, I'll throw this out, Chase Young, and I don't expect him to be a bust. But he like, gone. Here's a guy who's like had an unbelievable season. I just watched a video of him today where they he's literally almost held on every play yep. because the refs can't throw the flag on this guy because people can't block him. Yep. You can't throw a holding flag at every play. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, here's a guy that's like an anomaly, right? Well, he's had a, a – a, a season where he's all of a sudden off the charts out of uh, and out of Iowa State and or Ohio State, and then he uh, goes to the league and maybe he like has a big head, you know? Maybe that plays into sure. the fact that like you know that could possibly bring him down someday. You never know. I'm just saying. Um, hope, I wish the best for Chase Young, but um, I think no. he'll be fine to be honest. But no, yeah, I mean being more mature and having money is also beneficial. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But you know. At the same time, you look at these juniors now. Chase Young may or may not be one of those. We don't know necessarily. But, you know, these guys in the Hawkeye team, you know, coming through the program and everything, I think they have that maturity level where, you know, they're going to be okay. But that being said, like you said, that's not the right decision for everyone because there's a lot of guys, and they're going to give it to you straight. You know, you're being a dipshit all year long and, you know, getting trouble chosen and doing all that. You know, you're not going to get very far, long story short. So I definitely don't think it's the right decision for everybody, but it's as far as A.J. Epinesa and Tristan Wirfs go, they got to go. They have yeah. to. I expect them to go. Mm-hmm. Sounds good, guys. Well, hey, just kind of getting into uh, the next part of the season. Obviously, we talked about how successful the season was, 9-3, good season. Now we're talking about a bowl game. Now ESPN and a bunch of different reporters have a bunch of different thoughts on where we're going to be going. Uh, Dill, I think you have the best on this, but uh, where, where do you think Iowa's going to be landing? What city? Tell us about the bowl. Your guess is as good as mine, Bo. We have a, <laughs> we have a lot. Um, so I'll just start from top to bottom because literally I've heard the Citrus Bowl. A lot of funky things have to happen to make that work. And then from there you hear the Holiday Bowl. So now you got to remember with the new Big Ten Bowl contracts, there are certain bowls that are out. So essentially, we've been to the Outback Bowl a couple times here in the last few years, so that's out. Can't go back. Uh, same thing with the uh, Pinstripe Bowl out in New York. Can't go back there. So that eliminates a couple options right off the bat. But the options that remain, so the Citrus Bowl remains an out, out, outside possibility. Some really funky things have to happen to make that happen. If we were going to play in the Citrus Bowl, in the Citrus what are the Bowl. type of teams that we'd be seeing in that situation? The Citrus Bowl, so you would see... Most likely SEC. Um, okay. You know, there's a couple outside chances that a few other teams could sneak in there and do some trades and that sort of thing. But more than likely, you see an SEC team. Like so a middle-of-the-road SEC team? So you'd be looking at probably Alabama. Okay. Yep. Alabama. Or Florida? Florida's another one that's up there as well. So they could be in there. But <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Blaine, Blaine's giving us some good insight here. But, no, as far as that goes, and then the drop-off occurs. So you got the Holiday Bowl, which a lot of places are recommending us to, or predicting us to right now. That's the what only, I've seen. Yep, and the only thing we have to look out for there is if Michigan falls to the Holiday Bowl, there's still an outside chance that USC could fall to the Holiday Bowl. And so nationally, a USC-Michigan Holiday Bowl matchup, you know, traditionally two blue blood two blue blood programs god i can't talk um you know that that'd be (laughs) 
that that'd be pretty desirable for you know TV watchers and whatnot. So I could see that being a big game to watch. So let, let's just say that happens. Okay, so Iowa falls from the Holiday Bowl. Okay, what's left? So we can't go to the Outback Bowl. We can't go to X Y Z. Can't go to the Pinstripe. So that leaves a couple other options where the Music Music City Bowl in Nashville is a possibility. Now, traditionally, nine and three teams don't end up going down that far, but it could happen. Great goddamn time, though. Right? Oh, Nashville would be. Can you imagine that city filled with Hawkeye fans? I would go without a doubt. No doubt. That Um, sounds like a party. And then another one I've seen a lot, a lot of is Santa Clara and the Red Box Bowl. Yep. Who would we play? So that would be a Pac-12 team. Okay. Yep. So somebody in the Pac-12 would be in the Red Box Bowl with us as well. And then another one I've seen, which we've already been to in the last five years, so technically we can't go to it without Jim Delaney and the Big Ten's approval, is the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. So a lot of different ways that the chips could fall, Hawks. I mean, if I had to make my prediction now, I would say the Holiday Bowl. I mean, yeah. what, what do you guys think? I Yeah, I think so too. I think, uh, like you said, Iowa – Arizona State or USC, potentially Washington maybe. But as far as the Gator Bowl goes, I think they have Wisconsin playing Kentucky right now. So it's going to be one of those things. What happens in the Big Ten title game? Where does Iowa end up? But I guess, you know, we'll find out on Sunday at noon. That's true. Uh, so we will be able to my – be, my, if I was going to bet on it, I would say that we'd be in the Holiday Bowl. Yeah. So some of the potential matchups that you mentioned against Arizona State – um, we'd be playing against Eno Benjamin, yep. which you mentioned before the show, um, which would be a, a cool thing to, to go uh, to a neutral site and play against an Arizona State team and beat them. Be, especially Herm Edwards, right? Herm Edwards, the coach. Oh, that's right. Former, former NFL coach and then beat Eno Benjamin, who formerly committed to Iowa, decommitted, went to Arizona State. Like you said. And, uh, you know, take them out, you know, show him what it would have yeah. been like if he was the running back. You know, so that'd have been great. That'd be kind of a sweet revenge uh, situation. Also, another thing to 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 be aware of is like a rematch of teams of past when we play against USC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So sure. it'd be real real nice to uh, to come away with a win against a UST, uh, USC team that um, is sort of a middle of the road kind of Pac-12. I don't know. I mean, were they? I don't think they were crazy good. I don't think so either. I think USC is a little over 500 right now. To be okay. Honest. I think seven to five type team. So that's what I was thinking. So, so that would be nice to 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 take it to that program. Um, now, as far as like the other games go, not really sure. Like my guess, like I said, I think that it's going to be Hawkeye fans. It's probably going to be a Holiday Bowl situation. Mm-hmm. Well, perfect. Well, uh, guys, we, we covered a lot of football here, and, and that's kind of what Hawkeye and Tall Boys is all about. But as Dylan alluded to the last couple of weeks, we're going to start branching out a little bit, doing a little bit of other sports as well. And one thing, Bo, I wanted to start off with. Hit me up, bro. Is the newly, or newly since we talked last, number one ranked Iowa Hawkeye Love wrestling it. squad. Let's go. The squad is quality. So far, we're 3-0. I know we talked a bit on that Iowa State meet here last week. We had our first Big Ten tilt here this past weekend. And just Wisconsin. for everyone listening, we're talking about the wrestling program. Yes, Iowa Hawkeye Wrestling took Perfect. on Wisconsin Wrestling. Okay. No, you're gay. You're okay, good. Per- no, I oh, mean good, brother. because so yeah, so yeah, so like so the our wrestling is if you're uh, living under a rock, the Hawkeyes are traditionally one of the top teams in the nation is f- when it comes to the sport of wrestling. But. 
totally right there, but especially these past eight years, we've kind of played second fiddle to Cale Sanderson's led Penn State Nittany Lions. So, so being number one again, you know, it's a big thing in Iowa City. You know, it's been what what we've been looking for for quite a while, and I think the guys really proved it coming in. You know, this past Sunday, wrestling Wisconsin at home, and so. Uh, you know, r- running through the lineup, even just real quick, you know, Spencer Lee took care of business. Austin DeSanto pulled off the upset against number one in the nation, Seth Gross, out of Wisconsin. For those of you that don't know, Seth Gross originally wrestled for Iowa, ended up, you know, getting in some legal trouble, transferring over to South Dakota State. The, the dude's a stud. He's the favorite to win the national title here this year. So a phenomenal, phenomenal upset that brought DeSanto up to a number one overall ranking. Then you had Max Mirren in his first dual appearance of the year, kicked ass. Uh, Caleb Young squeaked out a win as well. You know, and after getting upset by David Carr versus Iowa State, you know, it's good to see him bounce back, know that his head's still in it. 10-4. And then Alex Marinelli in another marquee matchup with Evan Wick. Uh, Marinelli's got the best of them here these last four times, but the thing about Evan Wick, hell of a leg rider. That dude is going to be on you, and you know if he gets that chance, there's a good chance he's going to get a tilt. He's going to get something where he can turn you and get a lot of back points and start racking them up pretty quick. So for Mar- Marinelli to pull off another win versus him and do it pretty handily was good to see. Uh, 74, Michael Kemmerer. I mean, w- what else can you say? The dude's a stud coming off that knee injury last year. Oh, it's incredible. Uh, he's taking care of business, got the pen. You know, one one little shred of disappointment from this meet that everybody seems to be bringing up, but we got to remember that we just obliterated Wisconsin, was Cash Wilkie. Cash Wilkie in his first du- dual appearance of the year after seeing Nelson Brands in the first couple meets, it wasn't what we wanted to see from a senior coming in and wrestling. Now, you know, could some of that be some rust? We hope so, you know, because he's done pretty well in some of these open tournaments here in the beginning of the year. But, you know, again, you saw him walk out on the mat, and the dude just looks banged up. You know, has, has the knee, knee brace on, has the shoulder thing on, had like four fingers taped up. He dude just looked rough. So I don't know if he's going to be the guy. If you ask me personally right now, I think we're better off going with an undersized Nelson Brands at 84 this year. Just my opinion. We'll keep rolling. Jacob Warner, another one, took care of business once again. Going to be a stud, another returning All-American. And then Tony Cassiope pulls off the upset as well at the heavyweight spot. And we had talked about him a little bit last week. The dude has potential to do some serious, serious damage this year. So if you guys can't tell by how fast I was talking, this Iowa wrestling team has me jacked up. And, you know, upcoming we got to meet versus Princeton. Uh, it's going to be a good test. They typically have a lot of nationally ranked guys. I don't know a whole hell of a lot about them as well. And then we got the Midlands here in a few weeks. And so, What's the you know, Midlands? So the Midlands is basically just a big wrestling tournament with a lot of Big Ten schools go big to it. The ones that schools. Yep. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. This is so cool. the two big, like, preseason tournaments – that are during the season, so I don't know if you call them preseason, but early season tournaments are the Cliff Keens out in Las Vegas, yep. the Southern Scuffle, which is like what Penn State will go to, and then the Midlands. Those are like the three big ones, and usually teams flock to each one. Is this kind of like, and correct me if I'm wrong, like the beginning of the college basketball season where they have the Maui tournament? Very yeah. similar. Yep. Yep. Okay. yep, that's a great comparison, Rob. Solid comparison, Sarah. So, so the Midlands and those of you Iowa wrestling fans that are upset about the Cash Wilkie, you know, at the 84 spot, 
you know, technically he did win the wrestle off with Nelson Brands, which I don't know if I believe still, and I think we talked about this last week, but I think you're going to see both of these guys taking turns essentially until Midlands, and then you're going to see, you know, Cash Welke probably wrestling for the Hawkeyes in the Midlands tournament with Nelson Brands wrestling unattached, and that's going to be treated as the second wrestle off going in the rest of the season. So this team. You know, seen them a few meets now. They definitely, without a doubt, have a potential to win a national title. And I'm, to say I'm excited would be an understatement. No, and you're talking, guys, we're, we're talking about Dylan being a season ticket holder. Like, he loves IR wrestling, so super passionate about it. Two things I want to bring up about that that uh, that meet. Obviously, is a great meet for Iowa. If you guys were watching from home, there was an unbelievable documentary about uh, Eli Stickley. And Alex Marinelli. Alex Marinelli ended up marrying his twin sister. Yep. And uh, the day that he was going to propose, Eli Stickley and un- unfortunately ended up passing away in a car accident on the and, way to Iowa. And e- Eli Stickley was a starting wrestler for the Wisconsin Badgers yes, team as well, which, which so. made this meet that much more special. So mm-hmm. unbelievable documentary. Congrats, congrats to the Big I Ten did Network not for doing that. that. That's crazy. Yeah. If you guys get a well, get an awesome hour, story. please watch that. It's a great documentary. I cried. I'm, I'm not. Gonna, I'm, no, I'm going to admit that. Same. No, um, I, I had the tears rolling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> number two, we want to sh- uh, give a shout out to Brandon Sorensen. Obviously, we found out this week that he uh, unfortunately is battling cancer, and, and like Tom Brand said in his uh, his presser, uh, he's he's going to fight it as tough as he's going to be. He's in the great hands of the University of Iowa Children's yeah. Hospital, or not even Children's Hospital, yeah. just hospital in general. Say so. On a positive note, there, yeah. I did look into it a little bit when I found out about Brandon Sorensen getting diagnosed with leukemia. Is that it does at least with children it has a ninety percent success rate. I know typically leukemia in adults it's a little bit funkier for whatever reason, but um, I mean the the chances are good. Brandon's a fighter. You know he's proved it his entire collegiate entire wrestling career. I think he's going to be okay, yep. but nonetheless, thoughts and prayers are with him as well. So yep. From the Hawkeyes and Tall Boys. Well, we also want to hit basketball before uh, we we're going to transition on to over to basketball. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about the Fran McCaffrey-led Hawkeyes on the court um, in Hawkeye Carver Arena. Bo, what uh, what is this team looking like so far? We've had eight games, right? We have. We have. Wait 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 wait, 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 Hawkeye Carver. Did you just Carver. call it Hawkeye Carver? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, I was looking at you guys like, like, did I say something wrong? All good, I was bro. like, I felt like all I good. said everything. I was like, <laughs> I don't have any Listeners, case. Rob has had some beers, as all we good. all have. Well, I mean. <laughs> but he is right. We're we have had eight games. <laughs> we have had eight games. We're 6-2 right now. Um, thankfully, you know, we lost to a really good DePaul team who's going to finish pretty well in the Big East. They're 9-0 and currently. They are, and they've knocked off some a couple of Big the same thing teams. They beat, and I, uh, I think, Texas, am I right? They beat Texas. They also beat Minnesota, which is really? going to be a, an opponent coming up for Iowa, and we'll get into that here. Rob, I'll, I'll kind of pass to you, and, and I'll kind of do a sure. brief overview here. Uh, we competed in the Las Vegas invite. We were uh, – we were five and five and one going in going into it. Not sure what this team's going to be. We're still, you know, don't know if Jer- Jordan Bohan is going to be playing for the rest of the year. But we go in, we beat a number twelve Texas Tech team, yep. 72-61. A na- national runner up last yes, year. Yes, Texas correct. Tech team. Correct. Saw J Bo go off. Garza doing his thing. CJ Frederick had a couple of three pointers at the end of the game. Sure. Uh, what, what was your thought on that Texas Tech game? 
Honestly, uh, this Hawkeye team has the ability to put up points on the board, and, and then they have the strength down low with Garza um, to be able to um, you know, control the boards. And I think that uh, Garza is a guy that I've been kind of watching ever since his freshman year. And let's not forget um, some of the things that he's been able to do, especially last year. He's a double-double machine, and last year he kind of showed us his ability to shoot the three-point ball. And I'll tell you what. Even this, even if you watch him on TV, the cameras will accidentally zoom when he throws up his shot fake. Because his shot fake, it looks exactly like it does when he's going to shoot. Like Because he has kind of a, a, a different release because he's a big man. His arms are large. Right. So And, and so like when he puts the ball up in the air, he like freezes. And... Uh, and he fakes me out as a viewer. So I'll say so. So he's shown us that he's been able to play like a stretch four, possibly on the baseline in the corner. He's he shot a, a fair amount of threes, and and obviously he uh, has the ability to to grab boards really well uh, down low. So that's something that stuck out to me um, as far as this team just early in the season. So we beat a number twelve Texas Tech team. It didn't look like um, you know that. I thought it was sort of close, and we kind of pulled away at the end, and, and thanks to Frederick and, and his play. But I'll tell you, um, we also lost that next game um, to San Diego State, and that's a team, um, the Aztecs of San Diego State. Uh, if you remember from last year, they were a uh, highly ranked uh, NCAA um, kind of team that people would pick to make a run. Um, and I think that they don't have a lot of returning players of that team, but there are is a decent base or nucleus of, of players, and still this under the same coach. So that's a, that's a tough team to play against. We think about notable alumni too, Kawhi Leonard coming from San Diego State. So yeah. definitely a tradition of, of good basketball. The claw. You know what? I hate to interrupt here, guys, real quick. I just realized in my wrestling segment, I left out a very important member. Ooh, yeah, Pat Lugo at 149 also dominated. I literally had everybody yeah, else, yeah, but Patty I, 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 I yeah, forgot about Patty Lugo, too, another yeah. returning All-American, and uh, got match. the got the job done. So I'm <laughs> so sorry for interrupting, guys, but I knew some wrestling fan would be listening through, and they're yeah. ready to call me out yeah, on it. Bet. So yeah. so if you were listening this far and you were like, hey, what the hell? What what about Pat Lugo? We got you covered. We got you covered. You know, and, and don't, don't hold us against us. But, Bo, so you're telling me. Yeah, so about the San Diego State game, obviously we lost by 10, but we were up by 16 at one point. We held their starting, uh, their starting point guard, um, I believe his name's Malachi Flynn, zero points in the first half, then he goes off for 28 in the second half. I don't think that's Dang. a defensive effort. I think that dude just can straight up ball. So I think he was the one, honestly, that, that beat us that game. Hey guys, I'll tell you, um, we're going to go against players. Especially in the oh, Big yeah. Ten, there's going to be guys who can score. There's going to be guys who can create their own shot. You can play the as, as best defense as you can, but unless you're somebody like Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James, like it's going to be very tough to stop somebody who knows, especially at this level, who can create their own shot. And and like you'll even see on on, on things like, for instance, BallIsLife.com and and Ball so forth, um, where you have players where the game is shifting these days to. To basically have an isolation play, you know, instead of like running a motion offense or running like set plays, if you have playmakers that can create their own shot, people just have to adjust. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that 
it's kind of a little bit more prevalent in the college game. So we're going to go up against guys like Malachi Flynn. He's going to get his, and you just have to know that. But you just have to limit uh, the amount of shooters that surround him when he passes out of a double team or if he dribble penetrates. So you have to like think about the game in a different way, and it didn't look like that we did that against San Diego State. Unfortunately, you're right, and, and that's why I think we got the loss. Now, you talk about players who are really evolving their game and becoming one of the best. I mean, you, you said this earlier, Garza's averaging a double-double, 17, basically 18 points a game, 11 rebounds a game, a double-double, probably the best big in the Big Ten. Rob, what do you see from this team so far from what, uh, you know, from the games we've seen? Eight games in, I know it's early, but, I mean, what are your thoughts on this team so far? Okay, so my thoughts uh, on the current roster, it's it's too bad that we lost Munge, um, and he has a torn AC... Nungy, Jack Jack Nungy. Nungy. Munge. You're not the only one. You are not. I always say nunge. You know, shout out, shout out to Jack. I'm Nungy. sorry. Didn't mean to get your name wrong. But he's pissed. Um, R.I.P. is I did watch him in person yeah, against no uh, North Florida, um, and I really liked his game. He. Um, it took him a little bit to kind of get acclimated. Is um, that the game that he blew out his ACL? Sure is. No, I, not not a, was no, no not the one that I watched. You went to the North Florida was, game. Yeah, you went to North Florida. Yeah, that was right. the game. That was the game. Yeah, yeah I, I think he, I he think went he, up. He went up for a shot down low, and he uh, he came down pretty. Well, that's the thing. He just got yanked out of the game, but he like walked off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. It was definitely North Florida. I mean, yeah. I I was I'm drinking now. I was drinking then, <laughs> so don't hold it against me. But well, I don't hold. You it. guys are right, and and but he is a big loss to this team. He was somebody who was a a. A bigger guy, a stretch four. He's got a large frame, you know what I mean. So he's somebody who can hang in there, similar to the way that um, Creener has been for us. The goat, um, kind of a staple. Exactly, Zach like playing McC- alongside Tyler Zach- Cook can come back in and right. fill that hole. I Zach miss. McCabe, another goat of Iowa basketball. So I feel Stop. like. It's a loss <laughs> that we lost him. But I'll tell you what, we also gained other players. So this team is going to look different. You guys are lo- used to watching Jordan Bohannon and Tyler Cook and, and the gang, you know, mm-hmm. take off and, and with these younger players coming up. Well, now those players are mostly gone. Bohannon's playing, and I hope that he's healthy. We'd like to see him healthy because of his sharpshooter mentality. But Garza is somebody who stepped up, who I've already talked about. Here's some other players to look out for. Fontaine, who is at... Uh, a point guard. Mm-hmm. We talked about him last week. Um, he's somebody who's going to be playing large minutes, and he's going to take over the role. Um, you heard Blaine complain about uh, uh, Colin, uh, Colin um, Connor McCaffrey. McCaffrey. Um, Blaine. I swear, Fran was listening because the very next couple of games, Connor did not play point anymore. They moved him to the four, and look at Iowa. Yeah. They're a nice team now. Well, think about this. I he's swear, Fran, Fran must be listening to this podcast. He's I swear to God, two ten. He's got to be. He's got to be playing a role player. He's sick. He, I, I'm pretty sure they list him at six six. Six five on TV. Six five on TV. Okay. Well, no, but and that's Connor. TV's that's right. That's Connor. Yeah, absolutely. He's probably one of the best pastors in the Big Ten. So he's listed at six five as well in the Iowa baseball roster because yeah, sure. I was looking at that today. You know, Funny what, Rob, enough. he might be taller. Yeah. Than but you brought up <laughs> yeah, a really good like, point. Isn't that though? funny sure. how that works in basketball? He's like six seven. But yeah. a really good point about first off, Connor McCaffrey, him and his his availability to pass is unbelievable. His defense is good because he's six five. He's so versatile, right? Right. Then you also touch on Joe Toussaint. He's such a quick basketball player. Knows what to do with the basketball. He he reminds me of uh, Anthony Clement, right? A couple years ago, Clements. Yes, he, he knows one of the exactly goats. what he's going to do with the ball. He's going to evolve into that basketball player. He's not quite there yet. He's got the speed. He's got the quickness. 
has that defensive tenacity. He's gonna he's gonna attack the ball. I really like Joe Toussaint there too. And I just realized she opened my beer for me. Oh, That's good not for cool. Her. We and like to crack those on the air. No, no. Lastly, I wanted to hit this too. Yes. Jordan Bohannon has three games left, right? He has three games left until he hits that ten game mark until For a he potential d- medical red shirt, right? To a medical red shirt. So he's got let's look at this at our next three games at Michigan tomorrow. We got Minnesota on Monday the ninth, and then Iowa State on Thursday. Three big games that he could start and play in before he decides to I was going to say, quick question for you guys. So, obviously, three big games. So, I think we all know he's going to play in those three. Your opinions, though, and we'll start with you, Rob, and then go Bo, and then we'll go to me. What's your opinion? Should he pull the plug, red shirt, or should he come, or should he play the rest of the season? I, I think I think that he is going to stop. I mean, these are, uh, these are decent games coming up. we got number four-ranked Michigan, who made a run in the NCAA, uh, NCAAs this last March. You got a Minnesota team who's not bad, you know they're they're a solid middle of the road Big Ten team, and then Iowa State who has typically been very skilled, um, and we'll see what they look like this year. Um, looks like so far they're five and three uh, according to what Bo's got yeah, pulled up no. for me. But I mean, these are big games. This is a big deal for him. I would I think it'd be beneficial. Uh, for him to show to show us uh, what he's got in in a in a team that's young, right? So it'd be beneficial for him to stick around. So do I think I think it'd be in his best interest to stop? But I mean, hey, man, I've been a I've been a player just as well as you guys have played. The last, and it's like you just want to keep playing. It's la- gonna be hard pressed to tell do. him. To, yeah, exactly. It's what? gonna be tough. Somebody somebody who has the edge, the advantage, the age. It's going to be tar- hard to tell him to shut down. But think about this. We have C.J. Frederick, who is coming off a couple of really good games at the beginning of the year. He has he has some some uh, thigh tightness last week, so he couldn't play against Syracuse. He's going to play the rest of the year. I wake jo- up every morning with thigh tightness right? and still go to the word. Joey yeah. Toussaint, he's going to be another thing. exciting player. Why not let these guys play, get the experience, let Creener graduate, get Nunji back next year, plus you have – a sharpshooter like Bohannon. And like, a young Patrick McCaffrey. Yes, agreed. And just like our guy Blaine said earlier, he hasn't been practicing very much. J-Bo hasn't been uh, the last couple weeks. Yeah, at all. So might as well sit him for the rest of the year. I think I think he's done after Iowa State. I, I agree He's only going to play those games and then be done. Yeah, he has, he has to sit. And le- like Rob said, you know, I know that's probably the last thing he wants to do, especially after working so hard to come back for this season. But you got to look at the bigger picture. You got to look at the bigger picture. You do. Ne- next year, the team's going to be a hell of a lot better than they are this year. I think this year is a rebuilding year for them. You know, getting those young guys some minutes and you know getting them up to Big Ten level because like the team's looking okay right now. But I tell you what, as soon as we get big into Big Ten play, and, I was just going to say, and Blaine just brings up that you have the potential of Joe Wieskamp going pro. See, I don't think so. It ain't going to happen. No, he's, I don't think so. He's gone. He's gone after his junior year. I, I think. think so too. But I think him and him and Garza come back for sure next year, and then they go after next year. That that's my thought. No, he, he Blaine brought he up a good know. point. I like that. It's, point. A, it's a good point. I think you're going to have Blaine likes Nebraska ball. Year, minus Creener. Honestly, they lose to the school of the blind. So if you, if you think about this, if you think about this, Ryan Creener goes, and you got everybody back, even Pimsel. I think Pimsel is going to be a pivotal part of. The team next year. Oh, Blaine hates you for that one, but that's okay. Well, I'll tell you, we we went through this entire team and we didn't mention Joe Wieskamp. And here's a guy who just seems to do everything right. And other teams know that he's our number one option, so they're gonna 
so they're going to kind of you know get in his way and, and, and double-team him when they can. They're going to box and one him in reverse. They're going to have four guys on Wieskamp with one guy in the middle of the paint, just making sure no one else can score. But, I mean, he's proven to a guy to be um, have that clutch factor uh, to his game. Yeah, Um so I'm excited to, to see what he can do this year. And I think if we didn't have, let's say, if Jordan did sit out, guys, Joe Wieskamp is going to have to shoulder more of the load for scoring. And I think it's only going to prove to be beneficial for his game in the long run. Well, I think him and Joey Toussaint and C.J. Frederick, I think it's going to put more on their shoulders. Yeah. Then bringing out the defense, they throw down to Garza. And that's a, where he'll score. And that's a good thing. I think I giving these guys some pressure early on in their careers, it's going to do nothing but help them long oh, term. Absolutely. So that's awesome. As long as they don't transfer, right? Right. No so doubt. Knock on wood. And but, again. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Nope. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to. Yep. And and again, we got Michigan coming up. They're 7-1. and one. They, We play them tomorrow night at 530. We play uh, next Monday the 9th against Minnesota, 4-4 four and four team. Right now we also lost to DePaul like Iowa did. And then we got the uh, Cyhawk game next Thursday, the 12th, against Iowa State, who's currently 5-3. and three. So pretty good schedule coming up for Iowa basketball. Good things. We'll see what happens after Iowa State. Perfect. Well, guys, uh, that's everything that we got for this episode. Um, thank you for so much for listening. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter at HTallBoys. You can check us out on Facebook uh, where we normally post a live video of our broadcast today. We're just going audio only from Union Station. And, um, and we also have a, an Instagram, which um, if you saw last weekend, um, Dylan, you posted a great story from... See- I thought I did a post, Nebraska. so I'm not good at Instagram, <laughs> clearly, but that's okay. We loved no. it. Yeah, so you no, seem to be having a good time, time. Us tailgating, so good time. And guys and listeners, Rob is far too humble to admit this, but he's sitting here and like, God, I'm talking like it's going to be his last episode ever, which it's not. But Rob's playing in a little basketball league here this winter, so he he's going to do some call-ins, but might miss a few episodes here and there, but... He's our main basketball correspondent, so he knows his shit. Sure. So, um, and so I'll be happy to call in. I think uh, in the off season uh, with Hawkeyes and Tallboys, we're going to cover some other sports, and uh, so we'll kind of it, it might sound a little bit different, but I think we're all going to kind of take a little bit of a um, hiatus as far as like the football season goes, right. and, and just kind of. Uh, cover the other sports as well so um but thanks so much for listening to hawkeyes and dollars we're actually gonna end the uh the episode with a little victory poke yeah we're gonna hit the victory poke here and there is no beer that's why we drink it here and when we're gone from here, all friends will be drinking all the beer. And there is no beer, that's why we drink it here. And when we're gone from here, all friends will be drinking all the beer. In heaven there is no beer.